I want to take this opportunity to thank Sherry for her talents and her dedication to the choir. She did the first half of the year, and I also want to take this opportunity to let you know I've accepted the challenge of trying to fill her shoes and mark shoes for the second half of the year. So I want to take this opportunity to let anyone know that they're more than welcome to come join us next Sunday. We're not going to have practice today, but next Sunday down in the choir room after church, and we'll start on the Easter cantata. So if any of you feel moved or would love to join us, we'd love to have you. Thank you. Our scripture this morning is taken from John 15, verses 1 through 17. It's found on page 1676 in your pew Bibles. John 15, 1 through 17. The vine and the branches. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my, is, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love one another. Thank you, Judy, and thank you for taking the helm of the choir. Um, I, I omitted something, over, overlooked, I should say, uh, in your bulletin. There's an insert with a picture and a little bio. Not only did uh, Mariah make profession of faith and become a member, but um, Owen and her husband and the three children, Fenton, Tobias, and Arlo, also have transferred their membership from Emmanuel Lutheran. So, Owen, would you please stand and let us give you a welcome. Thank you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you help us to transition now into reflecting on your word, 
We ask that you would speak not only to our minds, but to our hearts. And may we know you in a deeper way, and especially your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the title of our message this morning is The Indispensable Key to Living the Christian Life. The word indispensable means something you cannot go without. It's absolutely necessary. And there's all kinds of things that people say are absolutely necessary. You can turn on the TV and within 90 seconds of commercials, you'll be told there are at least five or six things you are, that you absolutely indispensable to your life and you better buy it. Well, when it comes to commercials, we know that these products are not necessary. They want us to think they are. But what we are talking about here this morning is really, absolutely indispensable. It's non-negotiable. And it's not me saying this. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus is talking about a healthy, fruitful relationship with God, our Creator. This morning we've heard professions of faith which are decisions that have been made that are now going to be followed by a process. And that process is what we call spiritual growth. No one makes a profession of faith as a one-time event, and then that's all there is. It's not just a rite of passage. To follow Jesus and believe in Him means I'm committed to grow and mature, in what Jesus calls bearing fruit. The word fruitful is used 66 times in the New Testament. In John 15, 8, Jesus said, This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. In other words, the proof of being a genuine follower of Christ, of being a genuine Christian, is bearing fruit. It's not just in what we say we believe, but it's fruit-bearing. Now, how does this happen? Is it automatic? Is it a matter of our trying really hard? Well, Jesus is very clear. The only way to bear fruit is by remaining or abiding in Him. He says, I am the true vine. And notice the word true. He claims he's the real vine, the real deal. And that abiding in him is how we bear fruit. And the fruit, of course, is spiritual fruit. The fruit of holy, godly character and kingdom fruit of service. This fruit can only be produced by our remaining and abiding in Jesus himself. It's about a relationship. Ten times in this passage, Jesus speaks of remaining in him. And he's talking about a relationship where we're so connected with him that he's our source of spiritual nourishment. He's our source of vitality. You see, the Christian life is a spiritual life. 
It's a supernatural life. It's not just about being a moral person or a nice person. It's about living in the power of God and becoming like Him. So the question for us this morning is, how do we do that? How does Mariah and Owen and Haley and Jacob and Bergen, how do they do this? How do they abide in Jesus? How do we all abide in a way that we see spiritual fruit in our lives and as a church? This morning I would like to unpack four ways we connect with Jesus that are contained in this passage. Abiding in Jesus is about practicing spiritual disciplines. And the first discipline he gives is in verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Now underline, if my words remain in you. Church, God gives us a wonderful gift with his word, with the scriptures, the Bible. He has revealed himself in many ways, and one of those ways is with words. Romans 10:17 says, faith comes from hearing the word of God. Now, the Bible means many different things to us on different levels, but when it comes to bearing fruit, we need his word, his promises, his instructions, his commands, his stories integrated into our thinking because our lives are shaped by how we think. I want to repeat that. Our lives are shaped by how we think, our thoughts. How we think and interpret and filter life events that happen to us will affect our feelings. And those feelings affect our reactions and our responses. If my thinking, if my thought life is based on falsehoods and distortions, then I'm going to make life choices that are self-defeating. To bear spiritual fruit, our minds must be renewed, developed, and built on truth. God's truth. Now, if I want to abide in the words of God, I need to put those words in my mind. And we do that by memorizing them and meditating on them. Joshua 1.8 says, Meditate on the word day and night, so you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, I'll be honest with you. I personally struggle with memorizing Scripture. I do it. I work at it. I keep at it, but it's hard. I will also testify that when I do it, it's reaped fruit in my life. It's helped me resist temptation, it's helped me make good decisions. It strengthens me in stress. It comforts me when I'm sad. And it helps me trust. It gives hope. It gives peace. And when we memorize Scripture, when we have it in our minds, then we can also meditate upon it. Now, 
all of us know how to meditate. Do you know that? Did you know you know how to meditate? And the reason I say that is, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Worry is negative meditation. Just thinking the same negative thought over and over. Biblical Bible meditation is going over and over God's Word. A verse, a passage, even one word. It's like a cow chewing its cud. You swallow it. You bring it back up. You chew it. And you swallow it again. And you picture it. You pray it. You personalize it. Memorizing and meditating on God's promises and truth bring us into an abiding relationship with Jesus. Closely related to this, we abide with Jesus, secondly, through the discipline of prayer. Through the discipline of prayer. Listen again to John 15, 7. If you remain or abide in me, and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. Friends, abiding in the words of God can lead to an abiding life of prayer. Jesus' words establish in us the purposes and the promises of God so we know how to pray. Those purposes and promises direct our prayer. If I want to know how to pray, the place to learn is the Bible. Because there we see God's will. Prayer is communication with God, and communication is the lifeblood of any relationship. Would you agree with that? If there's no communication between two people, there's no relationship. It takes effort. It takes commitment. How many of us have purchased a vehicle or a computer and we've put hours of time into figuring out what we need and what features we want and how much can we afford and we research the different models and we talk to different people about what do they have and what works. All of this to buy an item that will wear out and need to be replaced. Now that's wise. It's wise to do those things. But if I want a fruitful life, a life that makes a difference for eternity, am I willing to put as much effort into learning how to talk to God and abide with Him as I do to buy a car or a computer? Verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Notice this is a conditional promise. It's not a blank check that I just pray whatever I want, I'm going to get it. Notice the word if. If my words remain in you. That's the condition for answered prayer. In this promise is the connection between the words abiding in us and what we pray and what we ask for. If our minds are renewed by God's truth, we will be informed what to pray. 
Scriptures reveal God's will and purposes, and when I pray those purposes and I pray that will, I can do so with great confidence and great faith. Jesus says, I am the true vine, the authentic vine. No branch can care f bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. We connect and abide with Jesus through his word, and through prayer. And then thirdly, Jesus says, and I'm going to change the title here from what's in the outline, we abide in him by abiding in his love, by remaining in his love. And we remain in his love by obeying him. Verses 9 and 10, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now, Remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. We remain in the love of God by obeying him. Every one of us here <clears throat> has been profoundly affected by the love or lack of love from significant people in our lives. From our parents, to our peers, to our partners. And to thrive as a human being, we need to experience unconditional love from someone in our lives. Jesus says to bear fruit, we need that kind of love and we find it in him. We abide and live in his love for us. And the challenge, as many of us know, as we sang with the praise team, as the Bible tells us, Jesus loves us, but we don't experience it in our hearts. That's why the Apostle Paul prays like this in Ephesians 3, I pray that Christ will more and more be at home in your hearts. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you be able to feel and understand how long and wide and deep and how high this love really is. And to experience this love for yourselves. So underline, circle the words, feel, understand, comprehend, experience. Experience. Have you ever loved someone and they didn't believe you? They, they had some barrier that prevented them from accepting the love you had for them. They push you away. Your empathy, your concern just hits a wall. I remember sitting in my office when I was a supervisor of a group home for adolescent girls. And we were explaining to this beautiful girl, but very troubled girl, the gifts of leadership that we saw in her and how the other girls were responding to her and we saw her potential. And there is a staff, we were sharing this with her and she literally stood up and, and, and stuck her face in my face and said, you're lying, stop lying to me. Her view of herself, how she saw herself, prevented her from believing 
in her gifts and her strengths, and that she was loved and valued. How many of us have barriers to receiving God's love? One of the great enemies of God's love is legalism. Legalism says I must obey certain rules to be acceptable to God. I must make myself good enough. But Jesus says that in order to experience his love, I have to abide in it and accept it and trust him for it. That it's unconditional and full of grace. How do we receive and experience the love of God? Friends, it's not much different than how we receive it from anyone else. We have to trust. We have to believe their love. And we show that trust by believing in the promises. God promises. Do you believe these promises that he forgives your sin and renews your life by grace through faith? That you don't earn it? Do you believe his promises that you matter? That you are gifted? You have a purpose, that you are significant. And do you believe God's promises that you belong to him and his spiritual family? That God promises to provide and see you through every suffering, that he promises design for life is best and, and that will honor him. And he backs all these promises up with the cross and the crucifixion. You see, to experience his love, we have to trust him and take the risk that it's best to obey him, that he'll take care of our needs, that we matter and we belong. Verse 17, he adds, this is my command, love each other. So our obedience, there's, there's, there's a cycle here. I abide in the love of Christ and, 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 and I do that by obeying, and the way I obey is loving others. When I'm abiding in the love of Christ, that love will em empower me to love other people. When we abide in Christ and love one another, there, there's two things, it's, it's a matter of two things with that love. It's choosing and it's conduct. It's choice and conduct. Love is something we choose to do. We don't do it by our feelings because the fee our feelings are inconsistent. God commands us to love. We can't always control our feelings, but we can control love because love is more than a feeling. It's a choice and it's a matter of conduct. It's something we do. 1 John 3.18 says, Let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. All of us have people we struggle to love. But if love is a choice and love is action, then I can choose to treat them in loving, gracious ways. Look at how God does that with us. He forgives us. Colossians 3.13, forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. We can choose to have loving thoughts towards others. I may not be able to choose, choose my feelings or control them, but I can control the thoughts I have towards someone else. 
Most of all, we choose to act in loving ways. Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Hmm. We do that by faith. Again, love is something that flows out of the love God has for us. When we abide in the vine as the branches, we will love as he loves. Then fourth and finally, we abide in the true vine when we cooperate with God's pruning process. Jesus says it like this, I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Pruning involves cutting off dead branches and cutting back living branches to shape the vine and stimulate growth. Professional pruners will tell you most people are too timid when it comes to pruning certain kinds of flowers and shrubs. But God isn't. God's not superficial. God wants to cut out the sinful, superficial stuff in our, in our spirits, and he, he'll even cut off plant that's alive and successful so there'll be greater fruitfulness. Jesus said God wants to bear much fruit, and that involves pruning. The process can be painful. It can be frustrating and confusing. And there are times we cry out, why is this happening to me? Why do I have to go through this? But friends, while it hurts, pruning is not punishment. Pruning is not punishment. God is not angry when he prunes us or prunes the church. He uses problems. He uses people. He uses pain to prune us. Hebrews 12, 11 is very honest. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but is painful. But we get to choose how we respond. We can choose to be resentful and rebellious. We can feel sorry for ourselves, or we can cooperate. We can trust. We can obey we can allow God to grow the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience, faithfulness, self-control. Friends, to be fruitful and grow in our spiritual life, we have to remember every day that we are branches. We're not the gardener. We're not God the Father. We're not the vine. We're not Jesus. He's the true vine. The branch must remain in the vine for life and growth. It can't survive apart from the vine. To abide, to remain, means to stay in place, to stay connected, or in modern language, to stay online, to be fruitful. This is a discipline and dependence. So tomorrow, when you get up in the morning and you go to the bathroom and you look in the mirror, I, I want to ask you to, to say to yourself, I am 
a branch. Today, I will not try to be the gardener. I will not judge other people. I will not judge myself. I will not try to be the vine, looking to myself for energy and direction. I am a branch. And Jesus, I will stay attached to you and depend on you to keep me alive and to remain in me. Let's pray. Father, we confess today that we cannot become like Jesus or bear fruit apart from Jesus. And we pray that each of us would make a commitment to the disciplines of integrating your word into our thinking, to challenge all of our thoughts and interpretations with your word and your truth, and that that will lead us into a life of prayer where we communicate and commune with you and Lord, we pray for the ability, as Paul prayed, to comprehend your love and to remain in your love and live in your love and obey you and love others. And help us to accept and cooperate with your pruning. We don't like it, but help us to accept it and work with it and cooperate with your cleansing work in our lives. We pray this as individuals, as families, as couples, and as the church. In Jesus' name, amen.